projects. Um, we're making really, we're making progress, um, and we are about to finish uh, the letter that uh, Paul wrote to the Philippians. Today we look at um, verse eight and verse nine of chapter four. Philippians chapter four, verse eight and nine. <laughs> and my title is simple: Thinking for the Purpose of Godliness. You can hear that I I stole the title from Donald Whitney. He he writes a book about spiritual disciplines for the Christian faith, but he doesn't write on thinking. So I think I, I think. Thinking is also a spiritual discipline. So the title is Thinking for the Purpose of Godliness, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. Let me read from the ESV as you follow me. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. And this is God's word. Amen. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray that you speak to our lives, speak to our hearts. Open our eyes that we may um, see wonderful things from your word. Open our hearts that we may receive them and walk in them for your name to be praised and glorified in our lives. In Jesus' blessed name we pray all this. Amen. Now, uh, thinking and practice are closely connected ideas. Uh, and to put it differently, your thinking will influence the way you live. In other words, what occupies your mind most of the time is what you truly believe. And how you conduct yourself is as a result of what you believe. If, you, if, you be, if, if, if what you believe is not sound, it is not pure, or it is not true, you, your conduct will follow in the same light. And in the same way, if what you believe is sound, is true, and is pure, your conduct will also follow in the same light. This is the, the giggle principle. Garbage in and garbage out. If the input in your mind is garbage, the output will be garbage as well. Let me explain it this way. People who fall into sin publicly fell into sin privately. What you see publicly is the result of a gradual fall that was taking place in their private life. As, as, uh, uh, in other words, every sin is a premediated sin. Almost every sin is a premediated sin. As the maxim goes, sow a thought, reap an action. The, the Bible calls us to take action of, to, to take care of our thought life. Uh, Proverbs chapter um, 2, verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And again, Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, He says, A good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and an evil person out of the evil treasure of his heart produces evil for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth 
speaks. Paul here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, is also concerned about this very principle, namely that thinking leads to practice. And Paul shows us here that there is a kind of thinking which must characterize Christians. And, and if it is authentic, it will produce a kind of conduct in their lives. This we see in verse 8 where Paul says, think about these things. And, and again in verse 9, practice these things. That there's a clear connection between these two ideas. They are closely and, and, and intimately connected. So as we look at these two passages, we see two things. We see, first of all, godly thinking, and we see, secondly, godly conduct. Let us look at godly thinking. In verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Here Paul has reached the conclusion of his epistle. He says, finally, brothers. In other words, he's addressed to the believers in Philippi and by extension, uh, 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 um, believers of all time. He, he's addressing all of us. He says, brothers. He, he uses that word, brothers, to refer to those who have committed their lives to Christ. What, what follows here applies to every single Christian. If you identify yourself with Christ, you must see that, Paul, that what Paul says here is directed at you. In other words, when you're sitting down, don't think about, I wish someone was here to hear this. Don't think about your neighbor and, 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 and question yourself as, I, I wonder if they are actually hearing this. It is, this is addressed specifically to you as an individual. Paul here lists a, a set of Christian virtues which he exhorts believers to, to make the subject of careful reflection in their lives. The, these virtues are to characterize the thinking of Christians. He says, think about these things. The word think can also be translated dwell on or, or fix your thoughts on or let your mind be filled with. He says, think about these things. The idea is that the mind has a tendency of, of, of drifting off into things that are not honoring to God. It can think the most random thoughts that are filled with hatred, that are filled with resentment, that are filled with lust, immorality, and so on and so forth. But the mind must be tamed and, and brought under submission to the word of God. We must make it a habitual practice to, to think in a godly way that honors God. So think about 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, where Paul says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it for the glory of God. And, and I, I believe that when he says whatever you do, that whatever you do also involves thinking. We must think in such a way that God is glorified. Paul says, think upon these things. And by these things, he's referring to eight godly virtues which he, he, he says must fill our minds. I just want to look at few, a few of those. We're not going to go into too much detail. Uh, 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 first of all, he says, whatever is true. The, the word true is to be understood comprehensively. In other words, it is, covering, it is covering all that is true in thought, in nature, and in deed. 
It is concerned with things that are reliable, things that are faithful, uh, distinguished from what is false and, and what is a lie. The, 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 the word of God is truth. And if anything contradicts the word of God, it is false. It doesn't matter what it is. We, we must learn to think along these lines rather than ask ourselves, how do I feel about this? Isn't that what we do these days? We, 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 we neglect asking, is it true? Rather we ask, how do I feel about it? And, and if I feel good about it, I, 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 I'm going to do it. Regardless whether it is true or not. We should ask ourselves about the truth. Is it true? Whenever a person follows after a sin, it is because they believe a lie about the result of that sin. They believe a lie that they are being told about that certain sin. For example, let me give just one, one example. Adultery says to the man who wants to commit adultery, the grass is greener on the other side. But what that man should be focusing on is actually watering his own lawn, right? Making his, his lawn, cultivating his own marriage. He should not be believing the lie that adultery is telling him, the sin of adultery is telling him. He should be focusing on, 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 on watering his own lawn. So, so, so whatever uh, sin that you think of committing in your life, it, it is telling you a lie. But rather than believing the lie of that sin, you must believe whatever is true. William Buckley says, in a wise way, he says this. He says, many things in this world are deceptive and elusive, promising what they can never perform, offering a spacious peace and happiness which, which they can never supply. A man should always set his thoughts on the things which will not let him down. The, the, the things that, that uh, will not let you down are God's word and promises. This is where you should set, you should set your, your thoughts, on God's word and God's promises. Because uh, the testimony of God's word says about God's word that the word of the Lord is truth, right? It is truth. Again, it says about his promises that his promises are yes and amen. Paul goes on to gay, uh, again, he says, whatever is honorable, whatever is honorable. The word honorable comes from a word meaning to revere or, or to worship. Uh, the, the, the psalmist in Psalm chapter uh, 119 verse 37 says to the Lord, he prays to the Lord and he says, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and, and give me life in your ways. So instead of filling our minds with, with, with lust, anger, hatred, and, and resentment, our minds should be filled with all that will lead us to revere and to worship God. We, 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 should, we should fill our minds with, with what will lead us to fall on our knees before the Lord. Thirdly, Paul says, what is just? The, the word just can also be translated right. Which, which refers to anything that is upright and, and holy, which conforms to the law of God. John MacArthur says this word describes whatever is, is in perfect harmony with God's eternal unchanging standards, again, as revealed in Scripture. Believers are to think on matters that are consistent with the law of God. 
that, that is where we must be focusing on. Things that are consistent, that are in line with the word of God. He says, what is, whatever is pure. The word pure means that which is free from defilement. That which is stainless. That which is uncontaminated. And that which is morally pure. Inward and outward. In, in other words, so much of our thoughts need to be... Uh, need to go through this test of purity. We, we need to pass our thoughts through a test of purity. And, 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 and purity not according to our own opinions, right? Not according to what I think is pure, but according to the word of God. The, the word of God must be a standard for what is pure. And sometimes we rationalize so much as human beings. We, we rationalize so much as people. We, 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 we say to ourselves, I can watch this kind of movie or, or click on this kind of website or on the internet because I don't feel like it's affecting me personally. We, 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 we put the standard of purity according to our minds, except, uh, we, 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 but not according to the word of God. So the standard of purity must be determined by the will of God, Right? In other words, I know this applies to, actually it applies to everyone as you look at the statistics today. Your search history on your, 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 your internet browser, you must not be afraid of showing it to anyone. Right? When you look at today, it's just, I, 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 I once said this, that Christians today, especially young Christians, are unable to serve God effectively because of the sin of pornography. Because they, they, are, they, are, they are chained by, by, by this sin. So Paul says, when, when, when you think, think about whatever is pure. Let your mind be filled with purity. In other words, I must not ask myself, what do I think in my own opinion is purity? I must ask myself, what is pure according to God's word? The, the, the thing I'm thinking about, will it stand the scrutiny of God? Will it make, it, will it make me more uh, 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 like Jesus who is perfectly pure? Will it lead me to Christ-likeness? Whatever I watch, whatever I listen to, whatever I, I, I click on the internet. The idea of enumerating these virtues, these eight virtues, is to show that godly thinking for Christians is being, occupi is, is being occupied with these things. Your mind must be occupied with these things. My, my mind must be occupied with what is lovely, he continues to say, as, as opposed to, to what is debased. It must be occupied with what is commendable as opposed to what is condemnable. It must be occupied with excellent things, things that are worthy of praise. My mind must be like the mind of Christ. When, when, when God looked at Christ, he said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. 
the, the, the mind of Christ was filled with the word of God. It is, it is, the, this is um, actually uh, even taking us back to um, um, the, the Psalm 119, where the psalmist, remember, the psalmist, when he wrote that, that psalm, he was actually young. He was at about 17 or 19 years. He was a young man, and he wanted to honor God, and he says to God, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Your, your, your word is, is what drives my thoughts. Your word is what shapes my thoughts. The, the, this is the idea that Paul is bringing about, and it is not only for young men, it is actually for each and every single individual. If you have a pulse, Paul is talking to you. Paul is talking to you this morning. He says, your mind, let your mind be shaped by the scriptures. There's, a, there's an action that uh, the, 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 the church back then used to, used to do, and the, the Roman Catholic does it today, but they don't know what it means, I think. Uh, it's, it's, it's that one of, of drawing a cross across uh, your face. It's, it's, um, uh, it's like this. So I don't know what they think it means, but this is what it means. It means, um, let my thoughts be governed by your word, my actions and my speech. Do you see that? My thoughts, actions, and speech be governed by the word of God. This is the idea of Paul. Paul says, you must be governed by the word of God. My thinking as a Christian must be brought under submission to God's word. Did you know that the average person has 10,000 different or separate thoughts each day? And that works up to 3.5 million thoughts in a year. And if you live up to 75 years, you will have over 26 million different thoughts. Already most of you have had over 2,000 separate thoughts since you got, up this, uh, got out of bed this morning. You'll probably have another 8,000 before you go to bed tonight. Then you'll start over again tomorrow. The, the principle behind Paul's words here is simple. He said, in, in other words, sin always begins in the mind. And so does holiness. The mind is the, is the battlefield of the Christian life. Right? This is where the battle happens. If the battle is lost in the mind, it is lost everywhere. When Paul says, think about these things, the idea is, find what is true and think about it. Find what is lovely and think about it. Find the, the virtuous and think about it. And invariably, this will lead you to the second point. Godly living. Verse 9. Godly living. He says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. There is no doubt that there is a close, intimate connection with what Paul says here in verse 8, with what he says in verse 9. Conduct is the product of belief and think. Paul calls, uh, Paul's call here is captured in the words, practice these things. 
the, the, the practice is in the present tense. The word practice is in the present tense. And it, it gives us the idea of, of repetition and, or, or, or continuous action. In, in other words, as Christians, we are to make it a habit of life to live godly lives. Does that make sense? It, it, it must be, in other words, godliness must be a habit of Christians. But another important aspect is very important to note that we should never forget this. A godly life is not the product of our own exertion or strength. We should remember the words of Jesus in John chapter 15 verse 5 where he says to us, without me you cannot do anything. In other words, we need the strength of God and the enabling Holy Spirit to live a godly life. Uh, the, these things that Paul calls us to practice are, are categorized in, in four actions. He says, what you have learned, received, and heard, and seen in me. His life exemplified the spiritual duties to which he called them. Uh, these terms focus on a specific ministry Paul had among the Philippians. He says, what you have learned, it refers to all that he taught them from the word of God. It refers to the whole counsel of God. When you, when you read uh, the, the, the epistles that he wrote, the 13 epistles that he wrote in the New Testament, and not only that, but also him teaching them um, um, the, the gospels, teaching them the Old Testament scriptures, teaching them all that was written in, in, in the Bible. Paul is referring to this. What you have learned and heard, what you have learned as I was teaching you the scriptures. In other words, Paul is saying that Christians are called to be active disciples of the word. We are to be in, in a constant state of learning. Again, he says what you received. What you received. This is a word that speaks of receiving truth from a teacher. In this context, it has an idea. It has the idea of accepting teaching which Paul handed down to the saints in Philippi. Receiving truth should always accompany learning truth. We don't just learn, right? We learn and do what? And receive it. There must be that. There must be that. There must be a follow-up after, after learning. We learn and then we receive. It is one thing to learn truth, but quite another to receive it inwardly and take it to ourselves so that it becomes a part of our inner man. Facts in our minds are not enough. We must also have truth in our heart. Then he goes on, Paul, he says, what you have heard. This refers to what they heard uh, from others about Paul. In other words, it, 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 it refers to the reputation of Paul. Paul says, what you have heard, that the testimony about me from other Christians, uh, about uh, uh, how they spoke about me. Uh, Paul was a well-known Christian, right? A well-known missionary who would go to other, uh, uh, other, other cities and preach the gospel. And so he would have a testimony among those Christians. He would have a reputation. And I wonder... Even this morning, I don't want to go to Paul, but I want to come to you. What is your reputation among Christians? Do you have a godly reputation? 
Do you have a reputation that is exemplary to Christians? A, a reputation that is commendable? A, a reputation that is honorable? That is true? That is just? That is, that is, that is pure? That is lovely? Do, do, do people say, what, a, what an amazing Christian that person is? What an exemplary Christian that person is? What kind of reputation do you have? Today, Christians live in isolation. And, 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 and the, reason, uh, the, the, the result of living in isolation as a Christian is that you have no chance of being a testimony for Christ through a changed life. You have no chance of doing that. And let me offer a theory. And, and this is my theory, right? This is my theory. Take it, leave it. It's, it's my theory. This is a theory of why Christians live in isolation. They are afraid of being found out to be frauds. They are afraid of being found out to be hypocrites. They are afraid of that. So they don't want to live their lives in, 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 in public before other people. When they are at work, nobody will know that they are Christians. When they are at school, nobody will know that they are Christians. In their neighborhoods, nobody will know that they are Christians. Only we at church know, right? We are the only ones who know because we see you. They are afraid of being found out to be big frauds, to be hypocrites, because their lives are just the same as other people who don't know Christ. So Paul says, what you heard from me, what you heard about me, the, the, the reputation about my, my commitment to Christ, my commitment to the gospel. And again, he says, what you see, what, what, what you've seen, what you've seen. In other words, what they witnessed in his conduct and character. They, they, they had observed Paul's character during his time in Philippi, and they knew his walk meshed his talk. Personal example is an essential element of effective teaching. We, 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 we must have that. We must not just say things that do not apply to us, right? I cannot tell you to, to live a godly life. I cannot tell you to be a godly husband uh, while I'm not a godly husband. I cannot tell you to be a godly wife while, while, while I'm not a godly wife. I cannot, I cannot tell you what it is to live a Christian life if I'm not a living a Christian life, Right? There must be a personal example that is displayed of what it is. I, 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 a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about how uh, um, we need to be exemplary in, in, in the way we walk for, for new Christians who are coming and, and they don't know what it is to be a godly Christian. They don't know what it is to be a godly husband or a godly wife or, or a godly man and woman. They, they don't know what it is to be, to be like that. And, and we display and exhibit what that looks like. Exemplary Christianity. Paul says, whatever you seen, whatever you saw in me. He says, practice these things. Practice these things. Put them into action. The, the, the result of godly thinking and godly living is peace of heart. He says, he says uh, in verse 9, and the peace of God will be with you. God, the, the, the peace of God will be with you. 
when you practice these things, when you, when you think in a godly way and when you live in a godly way, sometimes a good diagnosis of a restless mind is to check what occupies your mind the most. What you believe. How do we diagnose an anxious mind? We ask, what do you believe about God? Right? What do you believe about the promises of God, the character of God, the attributes of God? What do you believe? Let me conclude by offering you how we best can be practically obeying God's word here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. It involves four things I found very helpful and I'm sure they, they will be helpful to you if you put them into practice. Let me just enumerate them for you. One, we need to have the mind of Christ. We need to have the mind of Christ. When Paul was talking about humility in chapter 2 of Philippians, he, he says, have this mind among you, which was in Christ. The, the, the mind of Christ. Jesus Christ, his biggest desire was to please and glorify God. That, that should be our biggest desire as well. Our, our biggest desire is for the will of God to be done. And, 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 and the will of God for my life is holiness, right? That the will of God for my life is godliness. And, and, and my desire is that that should be done in my life. So we need to have the mind of Christ. Secondly, we must clean out and block out sources, of, sources for sinful thoughts. We must clean out and block out sources for sinful thoughts. This is called radical amputation. It is, it is what Jesus Christ says in, in, in Matthew chapter 5 when, when he says, if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Let me just uh, say it like this. In other words, if, if watching a TV show uh, 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 um, causes you to, to think lustful thoughts or, or think thoughts that displease God, remove it from yourself, Right? If, 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 if an internet search uh, leads you to, to, to places where you should not be, it, it leads you to see things that you should not be going to, cut yourself from it. Because your biggest desire is, is number one, right? Number one, where you want to have the mind of Christ. And if you want to have the mind of Christ, you must remove anything that prevents you from having the mind of Christ. You block them out. You clean them out. Every source that leads to sinful thought, remove it from you. Whatever it is. Three, make Bible intake a daily habit. Make Bible intake a daily habit. Shape your thinking with scripture rather than with the, what the world presents you. Let, let your mind be shaped with scripture. Make Bible intake a, 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 a daily habit. We have um, uh, Bible reading plans at the table there at the back. Take a Bible reading plan and say, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. Make sure that you are reading the Bible and making Bible intake a, a habit. And what, what I've found helpful lately is, 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 is um, audio Bibles, right? Audio Bibles. When you're driving, just put an audio, an audio Bible. When you're sitting, put on an audio Bible. Let it read for you through Matthew. Let it read for you through John. Listen to the word of God. And don't just listen. Also take the word read. 
right? Memorize the scriptures. Fill your mind with, with the Bible. And fourth, and lastly, read good and sound Christian books. Listen to good sermons online. Just make sure that your mind is filled with, with good books, with good sermons that you, you're listening to. You know, just, just go on www.cbcr.co.za for good sermons. Go to other websites for good sermons. There's so many websites that, that you, 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 you can hear good and godly sermons from, from men that have spent time reading the Bible and thinking about scriptural things. So many things that we can learn, Right? When, 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 when Willem was reading about uh, our mission focus and, and talking about Burma and, and Myanmar, I, I was thinking actually uh, about Adoniram Judson and, and, and his mission in, in that place. Read biographies of, of Christians who, who, who went and, and, and did missions in, in, in Myanmar, in, in, in Burma, in, in, in Congo. Just read in, in China inland missions. Read those godly uh, believers. Right? Because the goal is what? Thinking for the purpose of godliness. Amen. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Your word calls us to think in a godly way. It calls us to walk in godliness. We do realize that all these things we cannot do Accept by your help, O oh God. And we pray that your spirit will strengthen us, O oh Father, as we consider everything that we just learned. Apply it in our lives and walk in it. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen.